Howie. I dominated even more than usual. Dark. Yeah, I don't think so, Howie. <laughs> Triple M's Winter Breakfast. Uh, good morning, Melbourne town. It is a pretty chilly morning, 7.6 degrees after a freezing weekend. We've got a lot to get through. Wimbledon kicks off today. Mav Weller from the Saints. Scotty Pape to explain to us what the English and the British are doing over there, exiting the European Union. Paul Ruse, Bianca Chatfield and more. But bigger than all those names is the man beside me, the King Wayne Carey. Hello, Duck. G'day, Howie. G'day, Rosie. Uh, beautiful morning, Howie. Um, what a what a what a night for Australia. What a, what a week for Australia. Let's not forget uh, a couple of uh, NBA winners. Mm. We've got the number one draft pick, number uh, ten draft pick in the NBA draft. And a young man by the name of Jack Miller wins his first MotoGP overnight. And you were obviously uh, covering it all last night. Yeah, it was extraordinary. We uh, sitting there with Daryl Beatty last night in at, in at Channel 10. And to be completely frank, we normally turn up and uh, have a little sweep. Is it going to be Lorenzo? Is it going to be Marquez? Or is it going to be Rossi? And we sort of talk about how Jack Miller goes. And we think, oh, well, 12th, 13th, 14th might be good if he stays on the yep. bike. It was an extraordinary race last night, Duck. It was in Assen, which is in the Netherlands, a very historic place. Um, and they started the race. Jack qualified in ooh, 18th or 19th position, and it hosed down. It was absolutely pouring. So how did he stay on the bike? Because I've, we've done this a fair bit on Dead Set Legends on a Saturday. Yes. And you say that uh, he's got talent. But he falls off a lot, but so did Casey Stoner. Well, that's exactly right. Where Casey used to fall off all the time. Um, and in wet conditions, he, he's pretty handy, though. So with 12 laps to go, they called the race off. They, they red flagged it and said, we're going to have to stop for the rain. Uh, so they restarted the race. They had basically... You would have been happy with that, sitting up oh, late. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, oh, gee, we're, <laughs> we'll be straight into breakfast the way we're rolling here at the moment. Um, I'll be completely honest with you, Duck. At that stage, I was a bit frustrated by the process. Uh, and then they had a 12-lap race. So he, he, he'd finished in eighth position first part of the race so he started a lot higher up on the grid then Valentino Rossi looked like he was going to be up and about and winning it Rossi fell off which is extraordinary yep. itself never happens uh, and Jack battled away with Mark Marquez and with four laps to go all of a sudden he was in front and I, I looked at the great Daryl Beatty and said he could win this and Daz was literally shaking there's only yep. a very select band Excited. of Australian winners yep. um, of which Daryl's won obviously yep. Mick Doohan and, and Wayne Gardner and Christopher Mullen and a few others so it's a massive achievement he held on um, and won the race. Uh, th- this is as he crossed the line when my man Daryl Beatty was just about tearing up beside me in the studio. Jack Miller has done it. Jack Miller has won here in Assen. Superb stand-up wheelie from Miller. He stunned everyone there. Yep. His odds prior to the race, 501 to 1. Wow. So it was an extraordinary win. He's had a lot of problems this year. He's come off three times. Uh, he had a big crash in the preseason, which set him back duck. So he'd had three non-finishes and it did not start from where he had an incident earlier in the year and he couldn't get up for the week afterwards. So people were questioning his place in the team, questioning his place in the sport. He went duck from basically the Moto3. So he went from under-19s straight to the seniors. Yeah. He cut out the reserve yep. class and did that last year. Had a lot of problems along the way. I think uh, he's been under a lot of pressure and this is a very emotional Jack Miller after the race. This will make you smile, Duck. I don't know what to feel at the moment. I mean, a lot of people have bad-mouthed us and everything like that and said that this project wouldn't work or anything like that and I just hope, you know, that we've showed them wrong and that we can ride a bike. I'm not an idiot, man. Thank you to Honda for taking this risk on me. It's Amazing, I can't talk It's nice, isn't it? Oh, good on him. Yeah. Good on him. What a great story. It is, and it's one of those stories in sport, Duck, that it's got everything. You've got a young bloke that's never won a race before at massive odds, an event that gets uh, changed around due to weather. 
a long odds job. He gets the job done, and it, it, as I said, it's a very select group of Australians uh, that have won a race in that level. They obviously jumped off fairly quickly, though, because I remember this man, and like I said, we've discussed this quite a bit. He's highly talented. Like you said, jumped the reserve grade level and went straight into MotoGP, but... Um, yeah, always talented, and you've always said comes off a lot, you know. But but you know what? He'll get he can get that right, and yep. clearly he's got it right now. You just love stories like that. I love I love seeing Travis Cloak with a big smile on his face after winning for Collingwood on the weekend, given what he's been through. I just I just love seeing people. Uh, do things that they love doing and enjoying it. Well, that's why sport is the best reality TV yep. you can get. And uh, Daryl was texting his dad, Pete, after the race immediately. And I need to confirm this 100%, but from what we can gather, old Pete was in Thailand, just got off a plane, didn't see a second oh, of the race. Oh, really? We'll try and track him down later you on. You can get so. trapped in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> now, Duck, that is a whole nother segment, maybe for a whole nother day. Duck tennis lovers, next two weeks, not much sleep going on. Oh, there's uh, plenty happening. That We have to uh, do uh, talking footy tonight a little bit earlier because of, obviously, Wimbledon. So it's actually not a bad thing for me because well, we you... get to do a pre-record before the boys get on set. Well, Fox Sports dedicated Wimbledon channel switches on today. The Daily Serve tonight at 7.30pm. Live action begins at 8.30pm on Fox Sports 505. Okay, and on seven. Yes, and on seven, of course. But the man up front on Fox Sports, who I spoke to on Saturday on the Dead Set Legends, just before he was heading over there, I think he's bought half of London now because he's rolled in with Australian dollars. I did hear you uh, talk to this man on Saturday. <laughs> Wally Masua joins us again. Hello, Wal. Yeah, but look, I'm a bit concerned because I, I got, I only got 90 pounds for uh, changing a couple of hundred dollars, so I think I got yantled. I'm not sure. Just before we get to the tennis, what's the what's the general feeling there, Wally, about what our, our good friends have done? Yeah, I suppose it, it really I, – I wasn't here on the day that it occurred, and I guess that was uh, – it really kicked off. But um, to be honest, it just seems like business as usual, although I did hear a couple of people having a blue in the street about it today, but um, – yeah, it's pretty polarising, I guess, and it was nearly split down the middle 50-50, so I think everybody's um, waiting to see how you actually unravel or how you extricate yourself from the European Union, but uh, no, I guess life goes on, doesn't it? Well, there's one man that won't be, <clears throat> excuse me, there's one man that won't be worrying about uh, what the pound's doing, he'll be worrying about uh, his game tonight, Sam Groff, he, he's, he's draw, is he the unluckiest man in tennis? Yeah, it's getting close. Um, it's kind, you know, he had a really good year last year, Sam. He sort of, he, he had a year playing, um, is it VFA football? Is that the, the yep. division he was playing in? I'm not quite sure, but um, he kind of, he was just finding the life difficult and uh, frustrating. He wasn't going in the direction he wanted. He kind of um, realised that tennis was important to him and maybe footy was a tough way to make a living. But uh, he had a great year last year and it's just been a shame that he couldn't really consolidate and there's so much money and points on offers in the major. They really are an integral part of having a decent ranking. And unfortunately, he's running to Murray, Nadal, and it'll be Nishikori tomorrow. So probably two seeds you don't want to run, run into uh, of the top four would probably be Raonic and Nishikori. So it is a tough assignment for him. Well, it's been a golden age of tennis in the women's and the men's game. I guess in recent times, the last 15 years, the men's game we've had, you know, when we've gone from Agassi to Sampras and then we moved into the Roger Federer era and people were saying he was the greatest of all time and then Nadal and now we've got a man who's dominating almost more than any of those players did uh, in Novak Djokovic. Where do you rate him? His last two or three years have been extraordinary. 
It's very, when, when you talk about pure talent and in the hands and creativity, it, it's very hard to go past Roger because he's just, he's really a maestro. But Novak is sort of taking the physicality of the game to another level. And obviously the majors are played over five sets and people can maybe get the better of him in two out of three, but they can't beat him over five because he just maintains this incredibly high level. And just to give you an indication, he, he's so clear ahead in terms of rankings, you know, between him and the number two, he's almost double the points. I mean, he's a year away from losing that number one spot, and you'd wow. almost suggest he'd have to get injured for that to happen. So we, we'll have to watch till his career's over to judge him completely. But, um, yeah, there is a chance he could rewrite the record books. And you're dead right. You know, usually an era throws up a great uh, rivalry, Borg, McEnroe. You had Ed Bergen, Becker, and um, usually there's a couple, but this last decade has thrown up the, the, the big four, and um, they've all really made their mark, and maybe Novak's going to trump them all. I'm a Pete Sampras man uh, myself, but uh, the other Sam, Sam Stozer, she kicks off tonight as well. She's in actually pretty good form. Yeah, she's played really well on the clay. Um, played well at Roland Garros, was just beaten by Muguruza, who was just too good for her on the day, but... Um, Grass is a different proposition. She, she gets less time. Your footwork around the ball on grass has to be really good. Sam prefers probably a little bit more height in the bounce and a bit more time to kind of use her forehand. But I think she'll get through this first one pretty comfortably. She plays a girl, Magda Lynette, who I don't know a lot about. I think the highest uh, she's ever been ranked is around that 50 mark. So I, I think Sam will be okay. She's had a lot of matches, but it'll get more difficult from there on in. She's got a pretty tough section of the draw. We're talking to Wally Masua in charge of all things tennis at Fox Sports. You can see all the action tonight from 8.30pm on Fox Sports 505. Just before we let you go, Wally, Nick Kyrgios uh, is seeded, which is fantastic for him. But I'd just like to get your opinion on the whole Olympic scenario. It might not be a populist opinion that I have, but I thought poor old Nick was painted into a bit of a corner by Kitty Chiller and the AOC, who were making judgments on things that I'm not sure they were that close to. I don't think he had much choice in the end except to pull himself out of the Olympic Games. It's a great shame in many ways. He he made the comment that he just felt like the whole thing was a big distraction, not just to him but to all the other Olympians, and I kind of agreed. And look, I suppose there, there were athletes that were on watch according to the AOC, but the only two athletes that were named were the two tennis players. I didn't quite understand that, and I fully respect the AOC's ability not to endorse an athlete. But I don't know why it has to be played out in the media. But, look, it, it is what it is. And to some extent, um, both Nick and Bernie made their decisions and they've moved on. And that's for the best because I was in a Fox one day. There was a young triathlete talking on Fox Sports. Great story. I, you know, I didn't know a lot about him, but um, great story. And there's a lot of great stories around the Olympics. I'd probably rather hear about those, to be honest. Mm. Have you got an early tip for us, uh Yep. Oh, I'm going to be boring. I'll, I'll say Djokovic. I'll say Djokovic. I think Murray really comes into the frame at Wimbledon, and Murray's got Lendl in his corner, which I think will do him the world of good. Might stop him um, shouting at everybody with an earshot. And then oh, I'll probably say Serena, but gee, I think the gap's closing in the women's too. She's lost in the last three majors. It's been a while since that's happened. Um, Muguruza, she can really make a statement here. She's won the French. If she can back that up, and do well here at Wimbledon. She made the final last year. She'll kind of cement herself right at the top of the game. We appreciate your time, Wally. Anyway, Enjoy Greener the first night. And Novak. All right. Thanks, Wally. Appreciate your time. Good on you guys. Thank you.
So I was staying in town. I was driving along past the tan this morning at five past five. It's about four degrees. Yep. People are out there exercising. Respect if that was you out there this morning. I think that's extra. I'm more of an afternoon man. They're myself. your serious trainers, Howie. When it rains and, you know, wet, cold, windy, if they're out there, then you know that they – and it's funny. I was talking to Tim Watson about this uh, the other week, and Tim's a massive, massive walker, pretty much walks all around Melbourne. And uh, you, you just when you see people in those conditions, you go past them, it's just a nod and a wink as mm-hmm. if to say, yep, we're doing it. You know, we're real trainers. That's what real trainers. Not on a sunny afternoon running around the tan, you know, trying to look good with your shirt off, sort of just having a look at everyone else. They're it's the same with the stuff. surfing fraternity. When it gets cold at this yeah. time of year, yeah. just yeah, respect to you, exactly brother. Right. Can I just say one thing about all those people exercising? Um, the blokes... In tights, got to wear shorts oh, over the top. Got to wear there's shorts. A, there's stuff. a whole segment about this. Well, uh, you, you're not surely you. You, you probably I'm are a, just a tight no, one, no, are you? Mate, I'm you know a, who I blame for this? Chris Judd. I'm a, yeah. Juddy <laughs> used to turn up on the news on a yeah. Thursday, best player in the competition with really no, tight tights I'm and no a, shorts on. I'm a short man over the top. And just no, no top. Hey, just no top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of getting our new crew together. Some of us have worked together in the past, some haven't, and our beautiful producer Sarah's come in and see that you've just peeling a touch from your trip to Bali, and she said, oh, are you moisturising? <laughs> Has he moisturised, Rosie? <laughs> Obviously he hasn't worked with Mr. Moisturiser before. He's got the, about 15 different lotions and potions ready to go at any particular time. Moisturised? Yeah, well, you have to. Well, you do. You do. And I was just explaining that to Sarah. That's uh, pretty much high on your um, things to do for the day. Now, footy. Yes. A lot to get through. Firstly, let's talk about the Saints. An extraordinary game. Had the pleasure of calling it alongside Swatter and Brownie. Sometimes we turned up to the footy the week before and we thought, Geelong Bulldogs, this is going to be a great game. Sadly disappointed. We actually got into the box on Saturday night thought, oh, this could be a bit of a belting. What a wonderful surprise that was. Absolutely. There, I'll tell you what, there's some uh, well, some big upsets, hasn't there? I mean, uh, you know, I, look, I look at the, I look at the Saints um, this year and it's only been those two interstate games that they've been absolutely smashed. Other than that, should have beat the Hawks. Could have beaten the Kangaroos. Kangaroos were up all day, but they, they nearly got there. My word. I mean, they they have played some really consistent footy. And when they play like that, when they take the game on, these young kids, they're quick. They're quick on top of the ground. They've got an exciting forward line. Memory's made a massive difference in their forward line. But, uh, you know, Fisher's to come back in. He'll strengthen their defence. So they've got some. Uh, they've got a lot to look forward to. And, you know, we, we talk the doom and gloom of Brisbane. And I, I reckon the Saints... It's a great exa- they're a great example of a side, and, and the Blues as well. They're another great story this year. But these teams that we think are just going to be bad for a very long time have turned things around much, much quicker. And it's a great example to Brisbane that you can say, you know what, if we can just get things right off the ground, tick a few boxes, retain some of these young, talented players. I mean, clearly they, they just can't afford to lose and they've lost a lot. They're a remarkable story, and uh, Richo should be very, very happy. And, and Nick Rewalt, obviously, still playing great footy. It's a, it's a really good story. That was a, that was a really good game of footy. McCartan took a few big grabs as well. I think there's a lot to like there. And well done to your uh, employer, Channel 7. They do some wonderful football coverage. They call it Sounds of the Games. They had Jaron Geary mic'd up. This is Jaron, thanks to Channel 7.
Well, that was just him cheering the win, was it? No, that was him on the way to the game when they told him he'd been selected in the side, Duck. He's just happy to get a run. Um, I, I tell you what, the sounds of the game that Seven do, mm. it, it, it has gone to a whole new level. Obviously, I've been it's a part fantastic. of it on Friday Night Footy, and um, we've we've had some really good ones this year, and, and, and it does. It gives you a massive insight. So to the players and the clubs that allow it, it really does uh, it, it does show you. And I, and I reckon, you know, clearly – the guys, it, it has to be a, it has to be a distraction. I, I couldn't imagine Dennis Pagan allowing uh, anyone at all to do it. I don't think so. I reckon Corey McKernan would have liked doing it. And the reason why I say his name is because he he texted me just before saying you never wore shorts over your tights, which is an absolute <laughs> which is an absolute lie. I always wore the shorts over the top. But it, it is it's a it's a great insight. And he he actually is he leadership material. He, Spoke really, really well. I thought. Yeah, well, a lot of people talk about him as the possibly B- next captain. Bj will never do it again. He did it for Essendon a couple of Friday nights ago and got his nose broken in the first five seconds. So yeah. that's that's now just a bad karma thing for him. The big bash cricketers have done it with us for ten the last couple yeah. of years, but you have to be really careful in that situation because you can talk to them when the at any particular well, you, time. You talk to them as they're coming into bowl or. Yeah, you can make a you can make an absolute mess of it yeah. as well. Um, you've got to be very very careful. One of our producers got it a little bit wrong, and he thought he was talking to batsman A who was off strike, and he was talking to batsman B who, in was, fact, was David was, Warner who was on, on strike. strike. Not a happy boy, David oh, Warner, really? when that happened. The Pies, you're at that game on Friday night football. Obviously, Travis Cloak kicked the first goal. Yep. How'd you see his game? Yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he was good without without being great. Um, had his moments, uh, you know, but I, I thought he. Won a couple of one-on-one, you know, balls, got up the ground, got a little bit of the footy, um, kicked a really nice goal late in the game from the boundary line. But what I liked about his, what I liked about the whole night in the end, good win by Collingwood, by the way, Fremantle really disappointing, was just, as I said off the top of the show today, is just a smile on his face after the game. It, it, it really does when you, you know, there's so many downs in footy, you know, you've injuries and losses and all sorts of things can, can go wrong for you as a, as a sports person. And he, he has gone through everything this year and, you know, and, and, and no doubt on talking footy tonight, we'll be discussing if he gets dropped because what they're saying is Darcy Moore's coming back this week. So they can't play them all. So who gets dropped? Does Jesse White? Does Cox? Cox is playing good enough footy not to be dropped. So, is it Cloak again? And and it, and it, and if it is, I mean, it, it, that'll be just shattering for the guy. And if it is, I think it'll be the end. I, I really do. If he gets dropped, you know, the after end of having Collingwood or the, the end, end of Collingwood. His... No, the end of right. Collingwood. He showed he showed that he can still play footy clearly, and I think he can. But I, I just was wrapped for him, and I was wrapped that he had a big smile, and he and uh, you know for one week. Well, hopefully for one week, if he if he doesn't get dropped, he can actually have a smile and feel good about his footy and have a have a positive week on the track, which he hasn't had for a very long time. Duck, you're always very definite in your in your footy thoughts and your, your footy prognostications. I remember sitting with you in the box a few years ago, and you said on air, I'm not giving away any state secrets here, that you didn't think Magic Door would play 50 games of AFL football. Whether you proved to be correct there, I was wrong. Right, I was wrong. I I, I think Magic Door this year. And he had a lot going on last year. I think this year he's shown that he can play at the highest level. I think he's improved his fitness based. He, he he basically couldn't run out of game, Howie. Couldn't run out a quarter. His muscles are too now, big. They weighed well, him down. I tell you, has he got a rig? <laughs> Talk about oh, you just wouldn't you wouldn't wear a t shirt if you had a rig like that. Ever. You just, you just, no, just he could come a, in here this morning at around. six degrees. He's what? probably he's probably one bloke that can get away with no shorts over the top of the tights and no no shirt ever. But he he um he's he's shown so if if the Kangaroos, and, and look, I, I think he probably has to leave the Kangaroos. 
I, I believe, because just not going to get the opportunities there with, obviously, Goldstein. So I, I think that if he leaves the Kangaroos, he'll get an opportunity somewhere else. And, and, and I think that uh, I'll... I'll uh, I'll be eating my words. I think that uh, he can he can certainly play at the top level. Well, following on to that, Mason Cox is this yep. a man that you expect to play fifty AFL well, games? Well, he's another man that uh, I got it wrong. I would said if he plays a game, you've got a few things wrong, I'll go haven't he. you? For the guru that you're well, meant to be. Well, I think well our sport must be real easy because he's a bloke that <laughs> he never well, played must, the game. It before. must amaze you as a footballer that grew up with a footy beside your bed every day, and then these blokes roll in that have never heard of the game well, it, and start to play some really sharp well, football. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say he's playing sharp footy, Howie, but he, he's what he's doing is he competes, so he never gets outmarked, and when he puts those, and he can mark the ball. So that that's, well, he's ahead of most ruckmen for starters because he can do that, and he kicks the ball really well. He's not a long kick. He's not he's not a great field kick, but when he gets the ball sort of 30, 35 metres out, he's he's a dead-eye dick, and he's, um, and he's showing that he can mark it. So I, you know, he's, he's got a career ahead of him. And when he starts going into the ruck a little bit more, he showed when he went into the ruck that he, you know, has a good understanding, he has soft hands, has a good understanding of how to, you know, hit the ball to the advantage of, of a team without taking possession. So um, I got another one wrong. I'm, 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 I'm happy to say when I'm wrong. It takes a big man to tell you when he's wrong. Oh, so now you're pumping yourself up for being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> ball, 13 out. Stephen off the ground. Hacks it forward. Kicks a goal. Saints are in front. The Saints in an amazing game of football on Saturday night, getting over the top of the Cats. This is Triple M's Winter Breakfast. Mark Howard and Wayne Care. If you're not a member of the Saints and you're a Saints fan, well, you should be after that performance. Adult membership started just $55. Call 13 13- Hundred four six seven two four six, or visit saintsmembership.com.au as we welcome on the line a very happy saint this morning, Maverick Weller. Hello, Mav. G'day, Howie. Hello, mate. Great to speak to you. Firstly, I must apologise for one of our producers, Jake, who's a Saints man, who got you on 27 minutes ago and has been on your ear ever <laughs> since about what the Saints have done. <laughs> yeah, we had a good old chat. <laughs> I bet you did, mate. Congratulations. Uh, one of the best wins under the current coach, I would have thought, and congratulations on your own performance. No, thanks very much, mate. Yeah, we're pretty pretty happy with the performance. Um, obviously, coming off the bye, uh, it was really good to to freshen up and and to set ourselves for the game, mate. What about your your own form? You're averaging sixteen disposals, uh, three or four marks a goal a game, four tackles on the weekend. You're above all of that. Uh, what do you put your year down to? Uh, just a really good preseason, or or is it just part of? Uh, I guess, uh, having the confidence of being in the system for a little while? Yeah, probably a bit of, bit of everything. Like, um, the confidence to, to play, um, you know, in the same position, I suppose, that, that really helps. I've just I've played the majority as a forward now, um, and it's a real simple process for me. All, all I do is worry about going out there and giving great pressure. Um, you know, that's my role, and, and really anything else is, is a bonus. So, um I'm down there for for my pressure and my leadership, and 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 that's about it. So, um, you know, it's really simple for me, and um, I'm just loving my footy at the moment. As you should be, Mav. It's such a fine line in AFL between success and failure. You went up when you got drafted up to the Gold Coast. It didn't work out for you there. How did you feel, and how did you feel about your career when they tapped you on the shoulder and said it's not going to work out for you? Because it's a, a remarkable comeback you've made. Yeah, I was devastated. Um, you know, it was it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, it was tough for my family and, you know, I went through a, a, a you know, a massive down for the next 
four or five months to try and get an, another opportunity at another club. Um, yeah, I guess, um, you know, it's the old saying, though, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And mm. um, I just went away and, and, and controlled what I could, could control and, and trained really hard with St Kilda and got another opportunity. You, you, and, um, yeah. Sorry, you, you were playing senior footy at a really young age in Tassie. At, at 15, you were playing for the uh, the Bernie Dockers. Does that stand you in good stead, do you think, when you, you get to an AFL club or, or is it, a, in a way, is it a negative? I know, I know when, you, when you get to an AFL club, Howie, you, you're all young men and you've all dominated at some point in junior footy or, 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 or like uh, Mav, you've, you've played senior footy. So you go there and then all of a sudden you're standing around everyone just as talented and, and done just as much as you in junior footy. How did you find it when you first got into the system? Um, oh, I think it did help, yeah, playing against men and um for for a long time before I got drafted definitely helped um and matured me but um yeah when you when you're drafted and particularly the Gold Coast situation where you know it wasn't just three or four of my my mates getting drafted with me it was 20 20 blokes the same age probably, oh, probably 25 blokes the same age all walking into a club and you know um all have high hopes and and everyone's as talented as you and you know, it's just about working hard and, and, and giving yourself an opportunity to play. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to play 15 games in my first season. and um, But, yeah, I just sort of had a few things didn't go my way. And, and before I knew it, I was sort of out the door. So, um, but, yes, yeah, senior footy, playing senior footy in Tassie definitely set me up to to be ready for the AFL footy. We're speaking to Saints star Maverick Wheeler. Mav, uh, Duck's the expert, but I've figured out, uh, just talking to you why it didn't work out for you on the Gold Coast, that's because you went from Bernie and you went to the Gold Coast. She was too <laughs> hot for you, brother. It was know, just mate. too hot. I couldn't get a pre-season in. It was too hot for me. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, I know. Do you, do you uh, listen to the Triple M call? Do you hear uh, BT? BT loves calling you, by the way. We, we, we love your attack on the footy, but uh, every time you go near the, fo- uh, the, the ball, it's, oh, uh, Mav Weller, he's a good-looking rooster. He pumps up how, uh, how pretty you are. Oh, I love Bristle. Yeah, it's yeah. my favourite commentator for sure. <laughs> and what is, li- what is life in tail? He cops it. L- Lockie cops it though a bit. Well, he does. He's yeah. the Lockie about the, the male model thing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know, I don't know if he likes that too much, but um, I get a bit of a laugh out of it. We, <laughs> we stir him up. On, we've got a bit of a Weller group chat and we stir him up about that, so it's pretty funny. Is there a dream somewhere down the track? Obviously, professional sport is very difficult to predict, but is there a dream mm. somewhere down the track that you could have a game with your brother Lockie? There is, yeah. Um, I'd absolutely love to play with my brother. Um, I was lucky enough. I actually he when he when I went to the Gold Coast, he moved up. Uh, Mum and Dad moved up, and and Lockie was a young fella. And we were short one day um, for the Gold Coast seconds, and um, Lockie chucked on the jumper and chucked on the boots and and come out with us. And it was uh, it was it was awesome to play with him because obviously growing up with him and doing everything with him, and um, I felt like we had a bit of a connection. So. Um, yeah, it would be a dream, but at the moment his footy's going really well and, mm. and I'm loving it down the Saints. I'm not going anywhere, so he's going to have to pack up his things and come over here if he wants to, if we want to do that. But um, right now, I think um, everyone's just still enjoying where they are. So, Just as we let you go, Mav, tell us one thing about yourself away from football that we may not know. Something you get up to, something oh. you're interested in, uh, something away from the footy ground. What have you got for me? Well... Oh, I'm, I'm I'm a Tassie boy, so I'm country boy at heart. So I live live just down in the Bayside region, but 
whenever I get a chance, I'm always up in the highland or um, forward driving or camping and just getting out of the city. So that's my little little thing to to switch off. I like it. Just as we let you go, Maverick, your parents, were they a fan of the Top Gun movie or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> massive fans of the, for the movie, I think. Well, better than Goose um, Weller, I guess. Could have been <laughs> worse. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Hey, Mav, we really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for jumping on the line again. Congratulations to you and the Saints, boys. It was a great game of footy. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Doc. Great to speak to Mav Weller, saintsmembership.com.au. He's, he's been really, really good. Really good. I love it. His attack on the foot is fantastic. Sounds like a lovely young chap as yeah. well. I love listening to this man when the hot breakfast oh, is on because he just sets me straight. You get, uh, you get all the good information. Well, as you know, I've been trying to educate myself in the world of finance, and I used to start with the back page, read the sport on a Sunday. Now, in all seriousness, I go straight to this man's letters. He's on the line now. Scotty Pape, the barefoot investor. Hello, Scotty. Morning, lads. How are we going? Good. Well, h- how are we going? Um, yeah. I jumped on the net. Comsec account on Friday night, and it was red, red, red. And a lot of the shares I had didn't seem to have any relation at all to what was happening in the UK, but it doesn't seem to matter. Complete and utter freak out. Um, there's uh, all the headlines over the weekend is you know could Brexit, which is Britain leaving uh, the EU, send the world over the edge? Um, our share market on Friday fell three percent after the shock vote. We were actually the first market um, to be open to react to what happened. Um, with the uh, with the Brexit, so we went down three percent on Friday night. While you guys were probably having a few stubbies and enjoying yourself, I was glued to the screen. I was watching the Dow Jones down six hundred and ten points, or roughly the same in percentage terms as we did. Um, now, here's the interesting thing: the UK market fell, but it actually ran up in the four days before the Brexit vote. It actually mm. lost that, but the London market was actually up two percent for the week. So what can we make of it? Well, my view uh, with this, boys, is that this is a political crisis, but it's not a financial crisis, right? So I have no idea how this is going to play out. Um, Neither does anyone else. For me, I guess the best analogy is it's a bit like a divorce, right? It's going to get ugly. It's going to be really expensive, more expensive than you think. And it's probably going to take a couple of years for them to, to, to work their way out and to get back to normal. But I don't think this really matters um, to anyone here um, long term. I think this is just a blip. Scott, Mrs. Pape must love an exciting Friday night with you when you're sitting there watching the Dow Jones Index. That's just real sort of exciting stuff. Well, she, she doesn't. You know, so I've just got my, my, my little son, uh, Louis, who's three, when he's, uh, he can't sleep, he and I sit there and watch the, the Money Channel. Um, he loves it. But, yeah, no, if we look at the market this morning, now no one knows how this is going to play out. But our market is looking like it will open up very slightly uh, in the green. So we'll be actually up this morning. Whether that, How long that lasts for, we don't know. But the idea here is that markets don't like uncertainty, uh, which is exactly why you should strap yourself in for Donald Trump's bid to become the leader of the free world. I mean, that happens in November. If he looks like he's even at bull's roar of getting in there, expect to see the market um, falling down. The other thing I think we can all agree on I tell you what, it's time to travel London. Isn't it? Mm. Airfares have never been cheaper. They're at 30 year lows. You get a return flight for a thousand bucks plus taxes, uh, and with the pound the way it is, uh, I think that's the uh, that's the one finance takeout that I've got. Now, I'll tell you what, if you're glued to the TV uh, on Friday night with all of this Brexit stuff, you must be wrapped that it's coming to the end of the financial year. End, end, the end of financial year is always a big one for, for guys like me. Um, on uh, last Thursday, I was, on, I was telling the, the boys about um, there's an app that you can get 
from the ATO. It's called the My Deductions app. It's by the Australian Tax Office. And basically what it allows you to do is it's an app on your phone. You can do it on iPhone or Android. Um, and you can actually claim or actually uh, record your work-related deductions on your phone. If you're using a car and you're claiming an expense, it's got a GPS tracker um, built into it. So go to My Deductions app. Just Google it. It's a really good um, app and you'll never be caught out because if you don't have the receipts, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Scott, do you expect that we're going to see similar situations throughout Europe now where maybe the Spanish, etc., start to think, well, maybe we should pull out of Europe as well? Can you see a situation where the entire EU breaks down or is that getting carried away? No, I mean, it, it very, very well could. Um, but again, I don't like to speculate on that stuff because that's politics and I have no idea how that's going to play out. I think what we've got is Portugal, uh, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain, who are all struggling and would love to see their um, currency go down to actually make them a bit more competitive. So I think there's a lot of politics that's going to go on. But, you know, close to home, you know, we've got a, an interest rate uh, decision next week. Um, is this going to uh, give us another, uh, another rate cut? I don't think so. If we look at uh, over the weekend, we had 900 properties that went under the hammer all around Melbourne. Didn't have a Brexit wipeout there. We had a, a good clearance rate of 72%. So I think in many instances, this is just going to be a blip. This will be one of those things that in about 10 years' time, when you boys are, uh, go to see your financial advisor, there'll be a little half a centimetre blip and they'll go, that was the Brexit. And you go, oh, why did we even bother? Don't even worry about it. So, Scott, as we let you go, if I had $5,000, $6,000 at the moment, where am I putting it? Is it? Are you going for the Australian Foundation Investment Company? Are we going for that type of setup? Maybe. I mean, I, I would like to, you know, I don't want to give specific uh, tips, but I would be maybe looking at diversifying. I, I think I've uh, spoken to the boys about having a Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company. I'd be maybe having a look at that. Uh, but also I'd be looking at some, some other Australian stocks, which, uh, which are all offering pretty good value at this, at this point in time. Appreciate your time. You're very cagey, Scotty, but I appreciate your time. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, guys. We're about to be joined by Paul Rules, Paul Ruse, the Melbourne Football Club coach and the Manshake Ambassador. Check out www.themanchallenge.com.au where Ruse is joined up with former NRL player Adam McDougal to help promote men's might, health in sport. Might have to, which is, by the way, great, uh, a great thing. I might have to try one of these uh, Manshakes. Well, Ruse is on the line. How do they taste, Ruse? Good morning. Uh, very good, boys. I'll probably have one this morning, actually, for brekkie, sir. No, very good. Get into them. How was your break? And healthy. How yeah, was your good. break? Did you get away? Yeah. Did you go on holidays? Oh, I just went down to Red Hill for a couple of days. And, uh, yeah, it's good to get away and just switch off a bit. So uh, just a couple of days down there and then back up and uh, another day off today and back in tomorrow. Can you switch off, Rusey? You've been in this caper a long time. Or is there always you're on holidays, you're spending some time with your family and you're like, Hmm, where's this bloke going to play? Or, hmm, how's Jack Watts going, etc.? Oh, never 100%. And you watch the games as well. Uh, we've got uh, Adelaide next week. So you watch the, the Adelaide North game. And I think with three out of the week after, so you watch that game. So, But you, you do it in a different way. Um, you know, so yes and no, but you never completely forget about football. Mate, Rusey's, uh, Rusey's one of the cool cats of mm. the AFLK. You see, never really stress at why he hasn't aged, hasn't gone grey, still looks great. Um, can can you see the end of the tunnel, Rusey? Can you, will you be involved in footy? Will you be at the Melbourne Footy Club um, at the end of this year? Have you have you given that any thought? I know there's still a, a lot lot to play out this year. And in actual fact, you're still a sneaky chance, although I think the eight's fairly set. But, um, you know, do you start thinking about life after footy? Uh, a little bit on this weekend because there's no footy on, to be honest. But not not really. I mean, 
Uh, I knew when I started that it was, you know, a three-year process. Originally, it was two and an option of one, so three years. So I knew. So there's some form of um, what you call it, the light at the end of the tunnel. So, I mean, that was probably part of the reason I, I took the job in the first place because I didn't see myself doing it for four, five, six, seven years. So you always knew there was going to be an end point. Um, to be honest, it doesn't seem any closer because you, you're still involved and you're still... <laughs> training and playing and wanting the boys to win and, and setting things up for next year. So probably it's more when people remind you, oh, you've got you know, 10 games to go, nine games to go, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're immersed in it, you, you don't think too much further than next week, to be honest. Now, mate, you, you reached the Holy Grail in Sydney. You came to Melbourne. Um, you've had your detractors for whatever reason when you when you first got to Melbourne and they were saying, well, not much has changed. You must be really, really proud of this group now that uh, you know, you're seeing this talent come through. And the Melbourne Footy Club, and more importantly, the Melbourne team, are in a much, much, much better position now than what they were when you got there. Yeah, I think probably externally, uh, people were really looking for the results immediately, which is obviously the industry we're in, Duck, isn't it? I mean, it's yep. a win-loss industry at the end of the day. I guess the, the, the main thing that uh, Glenn Bartlett and Peter you know, got me there for initially, I guess, was to, to, to assemble a you know, good coaching staff, you know, to get a good group in place uh, to work with Jason Taylor and Todd Viney to, to in the recruiting. Um, so a lot of it was really off-field and you know, clearly the most visual thing that we do is on-field, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, that's probably the most frustrating thing for Melbourne supporters, but I think in getting those first two things right, um, you know, we've shown we are heading in the right direction. And it is a process as well. I, I think I said the first year we really... We had to get our defence down. I think we conceded about 120 points a game, so that was the biggest focus. So, look, it, it's been a, a process, there's no doubt about that, but I think the Melbourne supporters now can see that you know, we're the direction that we're heading in. And, and obviously, the succession plan was a huge part of it as well. So to get Simon Goodwin on board, you know, at the start of last year was really important as well. So, look, as I said, the pleasing thing is people can see where we're going. I think they also understand we're still young, I think, uh, over the three-year period, we've probably got younger, which is unusual. But we've, we've uh, turned over about thirty odd players in that period, so we're pretty, we're still pretty young. But yeah, look, the talent's there. I believe the coaching group's fantastic, and I believe Simon's going to be a, a terrific coach for many years to come. Paul, Melbourne supporters went into mount, uh, meltdown this weekend when there was a picture floating around on social media. It's funny the way footy works these days. Of a proud Jesse Hogan standing outside a property he'd bought in Perth. <laughs> and the natural link that people made was right. He's off. Yeah, yeah look, I mean, it, it's it's a, a well, it's a visual industry, isn't it? In many many ways, because you've got social media mm. now as well, so things happen immediately. Um, but yeah, look, I, I didn't take too much notice of it. I mean, what we do is um, yeah, try to set a platform for Jesse in the footy club and um, make sure that what we can control, as in who's coaching, the players we're re-signing, the structure we're putting around the players, uh, the game plan, all those things are right. And if we get that right, um, you know, the majority of players are, are, will sign with our footy club and, and that's the thing you've really got to focus on. How many uh, podgy players have you got on the manshake? <laughs> no, they're always asking me about it. So, uh, I know, look, it's great. I mean, I, the reason I got involved, I guess, is we've all sort of been involved in these sort of fat diets over the years but the, the man challenges are great it's a 10-week program and basically it's 10 minutes a day so it's it sh- it shot through to your computer or your phone and it really involves sit-ups push-ups because not many of us have got that you know get to the gym it takes you you know 15 20 minutes to drive your, your hour workout so all of a sudden two hours a day and and then uh, adam shoots through your meal plan during the day and i mean the other thing I think with, with some of the diets, by the time you finish the diet, 
you just binge for about a week, two weeks because you you know this one you can have your beer, you can have your pizza. So it's really oh. trying to trying to get in place um, habits. And I get mm. lucky, and I'm reasonably lucky when you're involved in a footy club. Yeah, you, know, you have dietitians, and yeah, you know, your, your habits are around exercise, aren't they? You know, yeah. So you know you, we're we're fortunate we're able to do that. You have a, a habit around yeah you know, roughly what you, what's good and bad to eat. But a lot of people don't have that luxury of, of being involved in a footy club and having doctors and physios and, and dietitians sort of thing. So, look, this is fantastic and it's really, really simple for people to do. So, yeah, I'd certainly advise you to jump on the website, have a look at it and, as I said, 10 minutes a day, 10 weeks and they shoot you through the, the workouts and the meal plans. Themanchallenge.com.au, as we let you go, Paul, I think your greatest challenge, how are you going to deal with the fact that next year you're going to have to stop using terms like end-of-the-day structures and processes and one week at a time? Are they going to be hard to get out of your vocabulary? Yeah, they definitely are, but they're ingrained now. So I'll be talking to them for the next 80 years. <laughs> Best of luck with your structures and processes this week against Adelaide at the MCG on Sunday. Thanks, Rosie. Good on you guys. Thanks a lot. I'm concerned about this segment when you lean across to Rosie and say, what are they called? It's a, it's a mocktail. It's a mocktail. Um, hey, half of Barwon Heads, where I live, go to Bali at this time of year. They've all got houses over there and they go surfing for three months. It seems half the football world is in Bali at the moment and you... Uh, Unbelievably, you've just sort of managed to schedule a nice little trip away right in the middle of the footy season. So congratulations to you and your management yeah, for doing for that. that. Uh, it was negotiated before the season Yeah, I'm started. sure it so was. It was uh, I'm sure it was. First weekend of the split round. It, yeah, it was, uh, you know what, it was good to have a break. I went away refreshed because I don't overly, uh, I don't overdo it. I don't think, Howie. So I'm not overworked. Although this, uh, no, the next no. two, the next two weeks, uh, ask me after two weeks of doing breakfast. I don't radio. think you or I are both overworked. No. So it was. Um, I tell you what, it was, it was a great trip. It was. Uh, so I took Charlotte over to Bali. Charlotte and it was, is uh, aged. My, she's uh, 19 months. Okay. Let me ask a few questions along the way. How'd she go on the plane? She slept. Right. She slept on the plane. Got her own seat. Was that a Fenugan-induced sleep or a natural sleep? <laughs> Absolutely natural sleep. Okay. So slept slept really well, but I, I got a lot of funny looks, Howie. A lot of lot of funny looks. We uh, we got there. Like I said, I was with a mate, Solly, and uh, do you, do you go with the baby Bjorn sort of? No, no, right, no, 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 right. no, I can't do the <laughs> no, uh, good. baby I, Bjorn. I don't know. Those I don't know why. I just I can't do no, it. I, no. I watch Modern Family, and I yep. saw the uh, the boys on there, and always made me feel a bit effeminate. The old baby well, Bjorn. Well, talking about that, I uh, we get there, get to the pool. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon. The first thing you do, you go to your room. I get Charlotte, lathered up in uh, sunscreen, hat on, bathers, everything. I put my boardies on and just think, okay, up to the pool because we've just come from Melbourne, freezing cold. So Solly goes to his room. He gets ready. We walk up to the pool and I look at him and I go, no. He's got, we've both got a pair of baby blue boardies on. <laughs> How almost, cute. Almost identical. How cute. And then we order a mocktail each. <laughs> right. And Can so, you picture this, Rosie? So, this is a man that used to tear barley apart. So, now he's drinking mocktails. So two, two men and a baby are drinking mocktails. The, the amount of looks that we all got, and I don't know why, because it's the modern world and there's, you know, plenty of, you know, same, same sex couples, same sex couples that, that have babies. So, but. Because the amount of people trying to work out what's going on, and as you said, you're pretty much in Melbourne, so people are looking and going, is that, I don't care, is that, you know, they're trying to work out <laughs> who it is, and then they're sort of going, well, hang on, they've got a baby, they're lying down on their chairs, very, <laughs> they look content. very close together, both drinking the exact same colour mocktail, <laughs> and uh, and then getting in the pool and sort of floating around and, you know, passing Charlotte to Sully, it was... Uh, was it was uh, it was sort of a, a weird little experience there for a for a couple of hours up by the pool and 
a few days later, about four or five days later, because you got the same people staying in the place, sort of went over and I said, uh, and then they realised, you know, that, uh, you know, they realised it was Wayne and that you everything else. And we weren't a couple. And I said, be honest, what, what was your first opinion? And they said, absolutely thought you were a couple. And a beautiful couple and, you uh, a made. beautiful couple, couple with a gorgeous little baby. So uh, I'll tell you what, it was it was great. A lot of, lot of ex-AFL players over there and... Uh, we know that uh, a good mate of ours, uh, Ricky Olerenshaw, lives over there now. He's this just a, had a little baby. So this is a former premiership player with the Bombers. He, he's got a Balinese partner, a very good friend of both. How's he going over there? He's got a couple of businesses. He's got a, a little baby who he sends yeah, any pictures it, uh, of. Well, She's been in a good wicket over there, his little baby well, too. Quite chubby on Absolutely. It. <laughs> well, that, well, this was a great thing. Paul Lecuria was over there with his family um, and his kids. So you, all of a sudden, you know, we, we went for lunch one Sunday and all of a sudden you have – you know, a big group of you with the kids and people that you don't sort of, you know, mix with a lot. Mm. And all of a sudden you're best mates for a day or so in Bali. It, it really is. It, it's like a catch up. And it was, uh, it was really, really relaxing and Give me one restaurant, a lot of fun. one hot restaurant at the moment in Bali. One hot restaurant. Mm. Well, one that's going I nicely. Can, uh, I can, actually, I went, I went to one called Lingy Lings. Lingy Lings. Lingy Lings. He hasn't got joints over there as no, well, has he? he? <laughs> no, no I, I did say that to Lingy. He reckons he's going to try and go over there and get them for copyright. But uh, well, it was it was actually quite nice. It was a fusion uh, Japanese style. What was it now? Bit of uh, Mr Miyagi cross itchy knee. And the reason why I can say that is because well, you remember Howie? Yeah, I do. And Dead Set Legends. I used to do my restaurant reviews. So we got free dinners. And well, uh, you did. <laughs> no ducks dinners. And uh, itchy knee got reviewed, and so did Mr Miyagi. Which became more famous last year, but we, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a bit of an infusion of those two. I'm glad you had a very, very safe trip. Thank uh, you. Duck, as we've touched on a couple of times this morning, an incident involving Ben Cousins in Western Australia in Perth last night doesn't sound all that positive. To get a little bit more information about what occurred and the fallout is the number one football journalist in the country, Damien Barrett. Good morning, Damo. Hey, how are we? Hey, Duck. Great Good, to speak to you. Uh, can you firstly, those that are just waking up this morning, tell us exactly what occurred with Ben last night? An incident uh, involving him impersonating a, a traffic officer or a, or a road worker in the uh, directing traffic on a major highway in Perth. It's uh, situations like this, Howie, which uh, unfortunately have become all too common in, in Ben's life. Uh, ten years after he was uh, part of that. Eagles Premiership and, and uh, an Eagles Premiership which the club is uh, celebrating in a, in a low-key way this coming Friday night in Perth. So the police were involved, Damo? They were called from what uh, Channel, I think it was Channel 7 over there in Perth was saying last night and yeah, it's basically decreed that he uh, be taken to a, uh, a facility of, of some sort for uh, you know more, um, I suppose, tests and just a I suppose assessment of, of where Ben is at. It's, uh, it's certainly a worry. I mean, I was over in Perth a couple of weeks ago to to do a, a project for the footy show on, on the 10 years anniversary since the, um, the premiership. And, and the people you know, who were key to that period, um, particularly Trevor Nisbet, the mm. CEO, who was, who was uh, CEO at the time and is still CEO now and, and has lived and, I suppose, helped the club get away from what it had become. But obviously the, the burden and the, and the baggage and just the, the old trauma of, of what did happen with Ben and other players at that time is still something that he lives with every day. I mean... Just watching him um, in the interview and, and the, the parts that we played of that interview where he worries about him every day and you can see you know, the, the eyes welling up when he talks about certain aspects of Ben and clearly it's something that he's lived with. Um, obviously, Brian Cousins, uh, Ben's father, it's something that he's living with constantly, obviously, and, and Ben uh, is a worry to, to all those people. Andrew Ambley, the same, Chris Judd, uh, Dalton Gooding, the 
chairman at the time, even another player manager who was prominent in Perth, Colin Young, just you know had bumped into him relatively recently, and he he expressed his concern as well. And it is um it is an issue, as I said, going into the the ten year celebration of of this uh, event ten years ago. Absolutely, the most profound thing Trevor Nisbet said that uh, night with the interview with you, Damo, was that uh, he would give the Premiership Cup back right now to have uh, Ben Cousins and, and, and a couple of others healthy and, and doing well in their lives, which is, you know, which is just unbelievable in itself. Yeah, it is, Duck. And, and just with that particular part of that interview, um, people have, have raised that and, and wondered, is it just lip service? Well, having spent a lot of time with Trevor on the day in question in the lead up to it, it's not, I could, you know, he volunteered the line. It wasn't something mm. that was a, a response to a, a question, hoping for a headline. He, he volunteered that late into a, an hour or so long interview. And, it came in, in, as you saw on TV, hopefully, um, in that it was, I'm just trying to sort of back over, that it, it's a genuine belief of Trevor Nisbet and a genuine thought that, that that's how bad this situation has become, as you say, with Ben Cousins and at least two other players. Damien, when you went there and did that expose on what happened in the West, did you try and contact Ben? Did you not contact Ben? Do you feel it's not appropriate? Where do you sit with that whole scenario? I think all of that, Howie. Um, yeah. I have certainly, in the past, contacted Ben and, and others around him uh, with this particular project. I, I chose not to for for reasons that everyone around it was comfortable. I mean, everyone knew what I was doing and, and the people involved in it were, were privy to my plans around it and, and were happy and, and able to assist where and when they could. I, yeah, to answer your specific question about Ben, on, on this occasion, I, I chose not to. Uh, mate, thanks for that, uh, Damo. Hey, just quickly, you're about to do your AFL uh, show this morning. Anything big there? <laughs> no, no, I'm about to uh, jump into a meeting now with uh, Woody and uh, and see what happens there. But uh, I think the Paddy Dangerfield thing, which has sort of dominated the, I suppose, the, the talk, hasn't it, since the weekend. I, I can't, ex- I, I don't see that at all being an issue for him. And that his Brownlow medal, medal uh, credentials and status will be well and truly alive by the time the match review panel comes down this afternoon. Yep. Did you cook something yesterday afternoon or not? Do we really want to go down this fast, Howie? I did, but uh, do you, we need to go down this. What was it? <laughs> On the weekend, it was a uh, it was a pulled pork, <laughs> <laughs> a nice, nice five six hour pulled pork. Five or six hours, good on you, great man. Appreciate your time. See you, boys. That's Damien Barrett joining us. By on... the way, a pulled pork cooks itself. You just put it in the oven <laughs> and pull it out. Is that yeah, why it's pulled pork? Pretty much. <laughs> Our next guest, who I think was just voiceovering one of those ads as we were speaking, a a Commonwealth Games gold medalist, a world champion. Superstar. Last time I saw this uh, young lady, we were at the Greyhounds, watching a few Greyhounds well, run around. That would around. have been a night and a half. Bianca Chatfield joins us. Hello, B. Good morning, boys. How was How a night we? at the old Greyhounds with Ducky <laughs> Boy? That would have been a uh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. It was uh, highly entertaining. <laughs> I've been back, though. <laughs> hey, B, congr- congratulations on your article you wrote on the weekend paper in the Herald Sun, Let's Get Real. And it was, well, I'll get you to explain the gist of the article, then I've got a couple of questions for you about it. Okay. Um, well, basically, the Herald Sun are, like, giving me the opportunity to write about anything in sport that I like. And... Uh, one thing that I'm pretty passionate about is obviously women's sport, um, but there's been all this massive positive momentum about women's sport now, and everyone's getting on board and everyone's loving it. Well, and I'm thinking that's really exciting. But what I want people to do is actually kind of walk the walk now and go out there and go and watch the games and watch them on TV, whether it's you know women's football or whether it's women's basketball or netball or whatever it is, and to make sure we showcase these sports as actual and the elite talent that they are and um, have them absolutely critiqued as if they were playing, uh, you know, as men's AFL get, as Duck would have had when he played, critique it properly 
uh, review the games properly. Um, yeah, I think that that's if women's sports really going to get to where we want it to get to, I think we have to all keep it real and make sure we do that. There was a couple of really point, good points you made. One was don't compare it to men's sport. Don't go along and think, right, I'm going to watch the footy, I'm going to compare it to the men's or the cricket, etc. The other point you just touched on, which I found really interesting, and you talked about New Zealand when a game of netball is played. If someone puts in a poor performance, they are savaged in the local press like we do with our footballers or cricketers, etc. Are we ready for that in Australia, that Bianca Chatfield goes out and is Bianca Chatfield, when she's playing, ready to face the media the next day and be criticised for her performance? Well, I think that's something as female athletes that need to actually take hold of as well and be accountable, that if we are pushing for that media attention and we want to be in the papers and we want people talking about our game and coming to our game, then we have to be ready for that and we have to be able to accept that. It's just something that comes a part of being an elite athlete and you know we obviously had to experience that in New Zealand when we are over there and, and it's just part of it you've got to accept when you don't play well that people are going to talk about it you know you've got to take the good with the bad i think absolutely hey bianca great article i, I totally agree with you i think i think the uh, certainly you girls the netballers i mean i'm a massive fan and you girls have been at the top of the world for for so long and have a great rivalry with new zealand and now with the afl and the girls coming in i totally agree you've got to go and watch and i've i've watched every game that the girls have played in footy and i've watched you play just about your whole career, and whenever Australia's playing, I, I always watch. But now that the netball is going on free-to-air, and I believe it's going to Channel, Channel 9, 9 which, yeah, is, which, right, is, yeah. which is great, and then the football's going to be played next year, I, 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 just, I just can't wait. I, I really do think it's exciting. But it is important that you're going there with the expectation, not, you're not going there to watch the boys. You're going there to watch you know, these great athletes perform and, uh, and enjoy it for what it is. Don't have the expectations you're going to you know, watch, watch the boys. I, I, I just think it's great. And I, and I, think, I honestly believe people will get behind it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we saw it a lot with the cricket. Um, with the women's big bash, you know, you'd watch the men's game and it, and it was really exciting and different and lots of sixes. And, um, but then when you watch the girls play, they're not whacking all the sixes, but they bring a different skill to the game that everyone loves. And that's what I thought was really cool, how everyone embraced the women's WBBL. And hopefully they go on and do that with every other women's sport as well. B, my little six-year-old Sky, who operates under the name of the Pickle, she started playing Net Set Go last year. Now she started watching her brother, uh, the Big Penguin, the four-year-old, play Auskick. Now they play across the park from each other, so she can see what he's doing and vice versa. And I've been reading to her this stuff in the paper about football uh, in the female environment over the last couple of weeks, and she actually said to me the other day, oh, Dad, maybe I should play football, not netball. Do you worry about your sport? Because we've seen athletics, etc., pillaged by the AFL. Are we going to see a similar thing with netball? Uh, I don't think right now. I think definitely girls probably playing netball who may not be able to play for Australia, you know, have already kind of figured out that they're not going to go all the way, might then make the move, and that's totally fine. What about when um, we come to talent identification and we see a seven-year-old that's fantastic and all of a sudden she gets moved into the pathway of football rather than netball? Yeah, I think netball have to be really smart. And I think they've started to put things in place by putting in a new league and making it a little bit different. But yeah, I definitely think there is a concern there. Um, but at the end of the day, let's just, all we want is every girl out there playing sport, no matter what sport it is. I think, you know, we 
Yep. I'd love netball to still be the number one, and I hope it still is, and I'll do everything I can to try and make sure it is. But I think the best thing is that every girl has the opportunity to play a sport, and that's exciting. It's, it's funny you say that, because I, I believe the, the best footballers in our competition at the moment, you know, Panelbury and these guys, they're all really good at basketball. Therefore, in close, yep. um, you know, they're really good, good at, at stoppages. And I think that they will feed off one another. You'll have girls grow up playing footy that will end up playing netball and, and vice versa, because... They are similar in a lot of ways. They are very similar. Hand-eye coordination, all that. Even the positions, Howie. I mean, uh, you wouldn't know this, but I played centre-half back, centre-half forward in netball, which is goal attack and goal defence. <laughs> and actually won a grand final, mind you. Who were you playing for? I was in Wagga. Okay. Uh, mixed netball down there. I, 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 they, they are very similar games, obviously, on a, on a smaller court. So there are similarities. And I think girls that grow up playing both, whichever way they go, they'll be a better player for it. Yeah, I played basketball growing up, played a bit of girls' footy at school. I was in the rock duck. I heard a little whisper that you may be moving into the literary world and possibly bringing out a book. Is it, uh, well, what's it all about? Yeah, I have. It's already written, it's already it's being published, and um, it's out in September. So the, the book's called Game On, and I wrote it with my business partner, Lee Russell. So Lee is on Foxtel's The Recruit. Uh, and it's all about leadership and basically taking control of your life. And if you want a different career, there's ways to go out there and do it, and whether it be in sport or business or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait for it to come out. Geez, I, uh, t- if it's taking control of your life, I wish I'd read it about eight years ago. <laughs> I'll you know, send you a copy, yeah. Doug. Or maybe about another career. Maybe in 10 days' time when we get the flick from this one might be good as well. But <laughs> we appreciate your time. And, again, congratulations on a wonderful article. Thanks very much, boys. The big story today as far as sport goes, though, we did touch it a couple of times, that a young Aussie fella, if you haven't heard, a 21-year-old Jack Miller won his first MotoGP race after the likes of Valentino, etc., fell off in the wet duck. It's a good day for Australian sport. Stop making out as a Bradbury moment. I'm not saying did it, it on his own merits. He absolutely, he did. In tough conditions, he, he got past Mark Marquez, a two-time world champion. It was fantastic. Yeah, and great speech afterwards, too. Yeah, he got very, very We're going to try and get him on the line this week, Yeah, we'll, week, we'll try we? and get him tomorrow. We'll in to fact, if you haven't heard it, we might play it one final time because it's one of those touching moments in sport, Jack Miller, when he spoke directly after the race. He's copped a, a lot of criticism over the last year and a half. He's had a few incidents. He's fallen off three times this year and had another DNF where he's uh, had an injury from one of those races. So to hear the emotion of him, uh, I think you'll enjoy this as you're just getting out of your car on the way to work or dropping off the kids, etc. I don't know what to feel at the moment. I mean... A lot of people have badmouthed us and everything like that and said that this project wouldn't work or anything like that and I just hope, you know, that we've showed them wrong and that we can ride a bike. I'm not an idiot, man. Thank you to Honda for taking this risk on me. It's amazing. I can't talk about it. Yeah, well done to Jack Miller. That, uh Good it stirs him. me up a little bit. What's on for the rest of the day? You've got Talking Footy later on Yeah, tonight? Talking Footy tonight. Looking forward to that. Uh, big week, uh, you know, interesting weekend of footy. So a lot to talk about, Howie. All right. There's a, a little sort of three foot and offshore down my part of the world. Oh, so well, you better even, go for a surf. Might even get a surf in. Kids are on holiday, so go home and look after the pickle and the penguin. You'll have uh, Charlotte to look after and Ella and the full work. So yep. it's daddy daycare this afternoon. We'll be back in tomorrow from 6 or maybe slide it out to 6.30. <laughs> six. There we go. Winter breakfast from 6 tomorrow morning on Triple M. <laughs>